0: Miller for three. Oh, he backed it in. He backed it in, and the game is tied. We're going to overtime. Warren lets it fly. Yes, TJ Warren is not human. Ranger catches, shoots for three to win. It. He hits it. To go. Brogdon for three. Got it. O'Neal drives on Yao, puts it in. Duarte for three. Boom, baby. Anthony <laughs> oh, oh, Denies him at the rim. Harris LeVert, people don't realize how good he really is. LeVert, skies high for the jam. Stevenson, oh, passes, oh, passes in into Savonis for the basket.
1: Jackson turns, fires, and hits. Oh, Miles wow. Turner, bringing that smoke. He flips it to the big fella, fake shoots, and
2: hits.
0: hits, hits. This is TJ McConnell, and you're listening to setting the pace
2: hey what's going on everybody welcome to part two of the podcast here is a one-on-one conversation with mike focci and zach noble
1: all right everybody we are back and we are joined by the one and only zach noble host of the noble and ruse show
3: zach what's going on you know i just got done watching james harden drop 28 and he's uh Looking like the old Harden, man. He was grinding away in the garden. That was that was a blast of a first half. My favorite half of Harden all year and absolutely a pleasure to watch finally. So I'm, I'm vibing right now.
1: Hey, Harden in the garden. You know, I mean, only a matter of time before he looks like his old self. You know, start of the year, it's been a little rough for him in the last two years, but you can't keep a man like James Harden down. But I-, I thought we'd talk a little bit about you were in attendance for Pacers versus Timberwolves. A game that came down to the wire, actually a really good game, but I think uh, it was probably a bit of a better game for you and the Timberwolves
3: fans. Uh, what I say, because you squeaked out that win, yeah, man. I, it, it was a weird game overall. I mean, Pacers came out strong at the beginning, and it's just it was one of those things where I thought with Miles out there, catch should have just been on the block and eating right away, like old school 90s basketball. Uh, banging with Domas because we got down there in the first and second quarter. Um, he, was, he was scoring at will, and then he just went back to his cat ways and just um, got pushed out pretty easily to the perimeter and took a lot of bad shots. And we weren't playing team ball. We looked like um, the bad, the ten loss, lost Tim Timberwolves this year, where all of our losses come from. No cohesion and um, a lot of the stuff Indiana Pacers can relate to this year. No team chemistry and, yep. no ball movement. No, have no idea what the hell is going on. And so um, finally, we just got things rolling and um, Cat decided he wasn't going to get out rebounded and get bullied around anymore by Sabonis and um, got some help at the end. But man, there, uh, for a game that was just so all over the place and just, sporadic you can say with the flow of the game uh there was a lot of excitement and I was on our end for the second half where Ant put up those three monster dunks and Mm a lot of big finishes down there and it was just it was a great second half by us I mean you guys just played solid in the first half and you didn't even play great uh but no mile I think if you had miles you would have won pretty easily to be honest, yeah, I really
1: feel like you know, and what was a, a two-point game in <clears throat> the box score, and it was really like a four-point game, but Keelan Martin snuck in a basket right at then. But you know, uh, right. the first half really looked like it was going the Pacers' way. They shoot forty-eight percent. They lead by nine. Second half, they end up shooting sub thirty percent. I mean, a bunch more turnovers. Uh, the Pacers led by twelve at, at one point. But Zach, I really feel like it came down to obviously that third quarter. You know, the Pacers go cold, mm-hmm. four, 4 of 20. Yeah. But the last few minutes, the Timberwolves stole the momentum. I mean, you talked about those Anthony Edwards dunks. It was the steals. It was going the other way. Edwards on a fast break, really getting the crowd into it. And then what was even rougher was you saw the Pacers kind of implode. They got really frustrated. I mean, Chris Duarte truly never got over that no call at the the buzzer in the third quarter. And it dragged into the fourth. He ends up getting ejected. I mean, at that point, man, the Pacers, they were they were just trying to fight off that crowd. And the Timberwolves, they didn't look back. I know it was tight. But uh, the Timberwolves, you know, they they, they they kept their foot on the gas and they kept that lead. But I had a question for you. In the stadium, I mean, you're watching the game. Did Sabonis' monster stat line of 16 points, 25 rebounds, 10 assists, look like as, as monster as it was? Or did the t- only 12 shots by Sabonis – Kind of make that stat line a
3: little bit more quiet than it should have been. That was exactly what I was gonna get to next. And to be honest, I mean, that's that's a great question. I truly believe he looked dominant on the glass in the first half. It was sixteen to four, him versus Cat, and that was the whole story of the first half. Pretty plain and simple. It's, I mean, but everything he kicked out. It's not like he was dominating him scoring. I mean, but he's a great passer and uh, the hockey assist guy like no other. But yep. Um, that was the story of the first half, pretty plain and simple, is just him dominating Cat's ass the whole time, and it was, it was pathetic. And um, I just can just vision our fans right now and hear it, and that's what I'm going to remember from this game is the three loudest fans in the world just harping on Cat, get your ass in the block, box them out, do something, you and just oh profan- I thought I was in Philadelphia, man, yeah, old school yeah. Indiana. Like a Minnesota Nice was not not present last night. They, I, for a guy that's been really hard on Cat and little sympathy, I've never heard him get it that bad. And they were they were on him all night. And uh, back to Sabonis's stat line. Yeah, I mean, sure, he could have been more aggressive scoring wise, but I didn't think the ball movement was terrible. And I think he did the right thing with the ball in the first half. I just think he needed to be more assertive in the second half. Uh I agree in the third quarter, that's where the Timberwolves won because Anthony Edwards just went off and uh, super Syrian, you can say, and just uh, put his cape on and uh, basically covered up all Cat's flaws by falling out, even though Cat had 18 in that quarter as well, yep. um, which is pretty crazy. Cat, uh, I think Cat's stat line was honestly more quiet than Sabonis' because uh, just the physicality and how dominant Sabonis was in the first half. Uh, but, yeah, the points were the, were quiet for sure. Yeah, they were. And the problem is it's 12 shots,
1: which, A, is not enough. But, B, four of them were threes, and he missed all four of them. So you're talking yeah. about five of eight just inside the perimeter. That's not enough. It would really feel like Sabonis probably could have, you know, gotten a few more shots up, got seven free throw attempts. So that's nice. But just the stat line, I mean, it's been tweeted out. A lot of Pacer Nation's already talked about it. His triple-double involving 25 rebounds – has only been done uh, two other times, Shaquille O'Neal and the Dream himself, Kim Olajuwon, Gotta love him. It's the first triple double with 25 rebounds and 10 assists. So, you right. know, gotta love that. But at the same point, when you when you catch a loss, you don't want to be promoting the stat too much because the, the name of the game is to win, not put up stats.
3: But you know I'll tell you this. Yep, it was close, it was closer to Jokic than Andre Drummond. Yeah, it, it was, yeah, you know, that, I can live that. With.
1: that I can live with. Because Drummond, you know he's got those empty stats out there. So, no, you man. know, it, it showed it showed when he went to the Lakers. And, you know, it just didn't seem like the same guy when he needed him. But, you know, you talked about Anthony Edwards. Look, from uh, an NBA fan standpoint, I, I love me some Anthony Edwards. I okay. feel like so entertaining. The one thing that worried me, and I feel like he's shaking this, is – when he was going in the draft, you know, there was those rumblings. Does he really, truly love basketball? And you know what? I haven't heard that since. And I really right. like that.
3: No, for sure. That was the big question mark. And, I mean, where there's smoke, there's fire. And I was a little bit worried about it, too. And um, he dropped that like a fly. I mean, two months into the season, you, you saw his ambition and um, just his love for the game. And just because the dude is smiling – while he's burying you in the ground night after night. It's like, I love that. You know, if if you can kill people with a smile, why not? Like that is fun out
1: there. Oh, it
3: is. It is the most fun I've ever had. I mean, outside of Kevin Garnett in Minnesota. And, um, I just hope it continues. I mean, the only concern I have for him, honestly, his playmaking is getting better nightly. Um, passing is a little question mark he doesn't know when to make the right pass or whatnot but I blame a lot of his teammates for that to be honest I think he can be a really good hockey assist guy and a, a good first lead, lead passer you can say but uh, the big concern I have for him right now is just his shot taking um, he's not sure uh, when to shoot certain shots and he, he just takes a lot of bad shots but I want my young guys to do that I'd rather have him take a bunch of terrible shots than be really sporadic, taking five attempts one night, 20 attempts another night. And it's just take bad shots all the time and work out the kinks and um, get better at nightly. And that's what he's doing. So I, I really love the guy.
1: It's true. And I really feel like last year he finished the season really strong. I mean, you saw him right. dropping 40 points and stuff like that started you know, his rookie year. Pretty slow. People were, you know, a little bit worried, but that—that's—that should be what's expected of a rookie. But yeah. nowadays, you know, we're hard on them. But
3: did you uh, notice his hand though? Last night, he, he's got um, a bad hand right now, and I think that really impacted him. The dude literally missed three or four layups. Yeah, and they were they were critical layups, and I thought that's like uh, Indiana's getting taking a lead here and there, but uh, so, we we, we managed.
1: Timberwolves definitely did, you know, shake a few layups over there. I thought at times, you know, that's what kept us in the game a bit. Right. But, um, you know, one guy that I, I felt like, you know, he, he played well, but it hasn't, tra- it doesn't translate for the team. Malcolm Brogdon last night, twenty-five mm. points. However, the Pacers now fell to three and eight on the season when he puts up twenty or more shots. I feel like, unfortunately, the Pacers. Are asking too much of Malcolm Brogdon, trying to ask him to be the best player on the team or the second best player on the team? Yeah. From a non-pacer, you know, fan base standpoint, how does you know the
3: NBA community view Malcolm Brogdon? You know, yeah, you're right. He's definitely being asked to be the number one, number two guy mostly every night, and um, the way Indiana's set up, man, like they got it's just got to be a. a cohesive unit, which that's the problem with the team. It's it's not what they need to be. And that it's it's plain and simple. They need to be the Atlanta Hawks of 2014, the San Antonio Spurs of 2013 through 15, um, where it's just a balanced attack. There's There should be... I mean, it, it's a bonus, if anything, should be the number one more often than others. But I really don't even think it needs to be that. I think they need such a balanced attack. And these guys should be able to fit each other. But it just... It's not there it's not there and I don't think it's going to be unfortunately um especially after the conversations I've been having recently and uh it, it's concerning because I, I do like the guys and in theory I think their personalities should mesh I think um they have the the roles you need to make one of those teams that I just brought up more so the Atlanta Hawks and the Spurs um having the all-time talent and uh, Tim Duncan and Kawhi Leonard but that the same style of play is what I'm getting at there um, yeah. so yeah it, it's very concerning Malcolm Brogdon needs to be a third option at best I agree um, he, he can be a second option maybe if you got a top five player but exactly there a are very, we don't very, have three, right now yeah, right. Oh, <laughs> if there's only five of them man 25 teams aren't gonna <laughs> have them so no. good luck um, and Indiana is a, not a team that's going to tank for Paulo or um, what's the hashtag right now? I don't even know. Um, <laughs> uh, it's going to take me a minute to think of that one. Hey, for for Paulo? <laughs> I don't know if you're talking
1: about Chet Holmgren or, or not uh, yeah. or other guys that are, you Sh- know. The <laughs> oh, yeah. Chet the Bedford. yeah, Chet. for Chet. Yeah, yeah. I mean, mm. he seems like the, the kind of guy that, um, you know, the stereotypical, you know, White big man type of player that you could see in Indiana, but you know, I don't know. I mean, he's got to put a little bit more size on, but I'm yeah. sure eventually he'll get it going. But for right now, I mean, it's a it's a pivotal point where the Pacers are at in the crossroads. We're 23 games in. TJ Warren has not played in nearly a calendar year, but the front office they all they have have been set on is envisioning. This starting five together, which might never happen because always someone's hurt. Do you mm-hmm. think that it's time? Are you leaning towards maybe this team's got to blow it up, or is it look? You brought in Rick Carlisle to write the shit. Give him more time. Maybe make a minor move or two. Which direction do you think the Pacers going? So,
3: if I didn't just talk to Miles Turner, <laughs> I would yep. say I'd say I trust Rick, and they're gonna write this ship, but. Um, I'm not, don't, don't read me like I'm saying Miles is, is not fully engaged and isn't there. And that he thinks this team is nothing because he doesn't think that at all. But, um, my read is it's no, this coach isn't going to fix it. There's no coach that's going to fix it. It's the, it's the core. Um, and these guys have played enough games with each other in my estimation. Um, yes, Karis Levert's a huge part of it. He can impact this team. It's going to matter. And Chris Duarte is only getting better. Uh, But at the end of the day, three of those five pieces right there have played together more than enough. Um, And the two main ones that have the most trade value, Sabonis and Turner, they've played together as much as any of them. Um, We know what it is. We know you got to swing for the fences. You got to take the trade value when it's there. Their trade value, I think, is... At their peaks right now, I think both of them are. Um, and to be honest, you got to move one of them. Um, that's where I'm at. I I think they can definitely make the playoffs, even finish like a five seed, six seed. But like, who wants that? I mean, Indiana's you. It, it's fun making the playoffs year after year, but at some point, you you got to just maxed out when you when you got something to max out on and you do you can get a return back you got to see what's out there and i mean obviously if, if there's nothing in return you got to figure it out and try to make moves on the margins uh, lower lower at the end and uh because laverde's value is definitely less than Duarte i mean i'd say the value goes Sabonis Turner very equal maybe lean towards Sabonis um, and then Malcolm Brogdon uh, definitely not moving Duarte. It's not even the options. Yeah. I mean, he's a, he's a piece and here's the thing. Duarte is going to fit with absolutely. He anything. And he will. That's, that's the great news. That's the great news. And, um, it, it's sad because I like the personalities. I think they like each other, but at the same time, it's not a love. It's not a, I'm going to do everything it takes to make this work type of thing.
1: You know, and you're right there. I mean, when you look at it, I mean, the way that the Pacers front office views TJ Warren, I mean, you would think this is like Kevin Durant or Kawhi Leonard coming back from injury. It's, this is not someone who's going to save the day. Yeah. I love me some TJ Warren. <clears throat> good good player. The last time we saw him, Bubble Warren, it was an experience. I mean, <laughs> Pacer fans love that time. They look back on it fondly. But we don't know if he's the same player. And then you, you talked about Caris LeVert. This... This does not look like the Levert of last year. That back injury clearly is not healed. Malcolm Brogdon just re-upped. You cannot trade him this year. So you look at the bigs. It's been better this year with Turner and Sabonis. It really has. Their plus minus is definitely better than than it's been in the past when they're both on the court. Um, However, you've seen enough to know, you know what, maybe being different is not the answer, and maybe it's more of a, we're different because no one else wants to have two bigs in the lineup at all times like that. So it's tough, but I feel like they really want to see that starting five together. Hopefully it happens and we'll, we'll get our answer. Maybe, you know, after a month, hopefully they'll, they'll know that by the deadline, look, either we got to make a move or or we're just going even further with this. But you talked about cool. making the playoffs, how it's fun. Yeah, it's fun, but once you go on about 20 or 30 years of just yeah. making the playoffs, eventually you got to blow it up and one quick thing i just want to touch on the actual picks that the patients have had in the lottery throw some names at you 10th overall paul george 11th overall miles turner 13th overall chris duarte those are pieces you can work with when you're when you're finishing around 18th overall that's when you're looking at Goga Bitazé. When you're looking at you know yeah. your your TJ Leafs uh, of the NBA, that's when he starts <laughs> to get a little sketch. So every now and then you gotta hit the reset. And Zach, this is the closest fans have been in years to saying, just
3: blow it up. But is it really blowing it up if you're just moving one of those five pieces? It's not. It's like, not. It's not. But but it's it's a huge deal. Yes. Uh, but the reason why I say it too, and I I tend to push back on the whole too big thing because do I think Miles Turner and Kat could be amazing together? Absolutely, and I'd absolutely love it. And I've been wanting it forever, but um, I also think because you saw Sabonis push cat out to the perimeter, and that's that's at a lower level. That's that's every night, man. Kat, I mean, cat lives out there, he's not a He's not Sabonis down low. I mean, it's, he never will be. So um, the spacing would be so much better. But I, I truly think Sabonis and Turner, you mentioned it, they, they fit way better together this year. They're making it work. But at the talent level, at the end of the day, the talent level will never be there, be enough um, to exceed the fit. Because the fit isn't perfect. It is Stop. not. I mean, and if the talent doesn't exceed the fit, the fit has to be perfect. And that's the problem in Minnesota, too, um, and I've been saying it forever, is, like, Cat needs everything to be perfect around him, and it's we're getting really, really lucky right now that um, Vanderbilt is looking like that perfect fit next to him, Mr. All-Defense, if yep. he keeps this up. I'm good. Um, nobody really saw that coming uh, outside a couple Minnesota fans, but... Um. even even then, we didn't think he'd be an all-defense type of guy. We just thought he'd be a, okay, maybe he's good for 10 to 20 minutes and plug-and-play type guy. So, yeah, I mean, T.J. Warren's value is not there yet, so you got got to keep on him, can't trade Brogdon. So it's got to be one of the bigs. At the end of the day, that's got to be what happens. And then if you don't get the return you want, it's got to fit just perfect. Um if you're not going to get like an, like an upside swing. Yeah. Um. I
1: mean, he, here's how you look at it. Sabonis is, you know, the more accomplished player between Sabonis and Miles Turner. He's a two-time All-Star. He's a guy that's going to put up bigger stat lines, and you know, maybe you could, you know, build your te- now I shouldn't say build your team around him, but you could go through him on more of a nightly basis than you can Turner. But I feel that Miles Turner fits more teams' needs. The 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 three, you know, being yeah. able to hit threes, being able to block shots. If Turner can do this, if he can finish at three blocks per game. And continue where he's at and shoot over 40% from three. No player has ever done that before. So that would be pretty interesting. And, uh, you Absolutely. know, that, that, that's that's something that every team could look for. I mean, there's so many teams out there that just cannot protect the rim. And Turner, he's the undisputed block guy in the NBA. He really yeah. is. And I think this would be a great transition to talk about the recent interview that you had on your show, the Noble and Roos show. You had Miles Turner on. I love the interview. Uh, Tell us about how cool of an experience it was. And Zach, I got to say, Miles was quite revealing.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast.
3: No, I appreciate that. And uh, yeah, on so many different levels. And it was honestly um, 270 shows in now that I've done uh, in my podcasting career. He definitely cracks my top five favorites. Uh, It was just that that open and um, it it was great. Just felt like a friend going back and forth. And I hope that's what it felt like to the listeners out there. But uh, to me, the biggest takeaway, honestly, is um, after everything... Uh, him and Indiana have kind of been through, I mean, through his injuries, through the different coaching carousel and um, whatever last year was with Bjorken. Uh, just he feels like a more grateful guy. He, he understands um, what what he has to do on a nightly basis, the mindset he has to have. And um, you can just tell on the court, too, he's bringing it uh, more consistently. And um, it, it's cool. Um, it, his actions re- reflect his words. Uh but the thing that I'm mean, one thing play style wise cuz he did talk a lot of Xs and Os too. Um TJ McConnell being his guy and yeah I mean I'm sure all Indiana fans know that that's the best combo um, that you have honestly probably with uh, McConnell Turner or maybe it's McConnell and Sabonis at times but McConnell just is is an engine that makes it work for a lot of guys. Um but it just proved T.J. McConnell's worth, and I loved hearing that as well. Um, But, yeah, I mean, so many great things. Uh, What were your biggest takeaways? Uh, Well, I thought that it was uh, definitely very telling when he
1: talked about basically how Nate Bjorkman was hardcore against any mid-range jumpers to the point where Brogdon had to stand up for himself and that they would go back and forth on that. But uh, I love that about Brogdon. He stayed true to his game and, uh, you know, really refused to just kind of just just fit into whatever Nate Bjorken wanted. But also Turner talked about how he loved playing in Bjorken's defensive scheme because they would kind of filter everything into him to clean up. So I'm sure he did really like, you know, being able to, you know, get those blocks up really if if Miles had stayed healthy. I think he does make that all defensive second team last year. Also, one of the things that you never really hear is how honest he was about Rick Barnes at Texas saying he's like, Love I'm going to be honest, I, I really didn't like him. You know, basically, he might not have used those exact words, but, uh, you know, he didn't sugarcoat it. And usually right. a lot of people sugarcoat it, and they're like, hey, you know, we might not have seen eye for eye, but I got a lot of respect for him, and they keep it moving on. No, he let him know. He was like, man, I, I had to get out of there. I had to go, like, because I was, he was going to turn me into something that I did not want to be, basically saying that Barnes just viewed him as, like, LaMarcus Aldridge 2.0.
3: Oh dude, just imagine him at Kansas. I, I think about it almost daily since I bet he came you do. on. <laughs> oh man, he, he said he loved it there, and that probably would have been his next choice, and that would have been pretty awesome. But hey, that's sports in general. Shoulda, woulda, coulda. But um I, I think things worked out just fine for him. Uh, just weird that pushing on the whole Lamarcus Aldridge thing, and it's like, let somebody be their own, own person. And it's like Players hate comparisons in yep. general. I couldn't imagine how aggravating that is. And um like anytime you ask a player, who'd you like growing up or who do you model your game after? No, I don't really model it after anybody, but I like this. And more and more younger guys just say that nonstop. Now it's it's the answer isn't I picked this all from this guy, I want to be this guy. It's which you heard that a, a while back, I feel like. Where everybody wanted to be the next Kobe Bryant or mm-hmm. um, KG or whatever, and I mean now it's just like I pi- pick some things from this guy. I I like his mentality, and I'm just trying to be one of one, trying to be unique. Exactly,
1: um, yeah, that, that's what it takes. And uh, you know, not everybody, just like you mentioned, not everybody can be Step Curry. You could you could right. take you could take something from Curry, but you. you not everybody just has that. I mean, that that's Curry's like, you know, the, the chosen shooter. He's been that way, you know, since since he was a child. So you, you got to be able to, to make your
3: own game um, and use the best shocking, of that. It was shocking to hear, though, that uh, Malcolm Brogdon was getting into it quite often with Jorgen as well. Um, I just don't feel like... Malcolm has it in him, but hey, I I love hearing the fire. You'd you'd
1: say that, but there was rumors that uh, Brogdon had it in a little bit with him and Budenholzer, and then, you know, didn't Uh, work out with Bjorkren, so when we brought in Rick Carl, it was like, okay, if Brogdon has it with one more coach, it might be Brogdon. So uh, luckily, you know, we're only 23 games in, but he seems to be enjoying playing under Carlisle, and obviously, you know, he he re-signed you know, re-up his contract, so that that's great. But what would you say was maybe your your biggest takeaway or like the number one thing from that interview where you're like,
3: "Wow, you know, maybe I wasn't expecting that, or that was really interesting." Uh, like I said, the gratitude uh, would be a big one, and just understanding the the mindset he needs to have, and um, you can tell. I mean, just how frustrated I mean it is, and he wants to win so bad, and he'd love to win in Indiana and. Um, he, he likes it there. He's grateful to be there but um, just he blocks out all the outside noise and um, he just gets to work but um, at the end of the day I think uh, the rotations really matter. Um, you got to stick with a coach for a while but uh, yeah, I'd, I'd try to get more more going with him and TJ and um, if, if they're having a tough time being a cohesive unit uh, with that main starting five, spread it out. I mean, you got enough talent to stagger minutes. And I think that might need to be, if you're not finding the trade you want, I mean, you're going to have to stagger minutes in order to make this playoff run work. Um, Why Why not? I mean, it, it just feels like to me that they're trying to beat home this, this starting five and then Warren coming back and I don't know. I think they just got to mix things up because I, I truly, like I said earlier is this group doesn't seem like they love each other and will do anything for each other. I feel like they respect each other. It's a business relationship. They like each other enough, but it's the, the, the talent doesn't exceed the fit. And so therefore you gotta, you have to love each other. You have to, I mean, uh, you need a little uh will Ferrell and yeah. semi pro going on and needs to come in and but it it could be a, a tough go for indiana here and it it sucks because i do like the personalities and i do like the the dudes and i truly think they respect each other but um yeah it'll be interesting to see what happens here Now they all do respect each other
1: just the the problem is with some of them is i think a lot of them are too nice of guys, and I right. do think they need a little bit of a, a dog in there, someone that could really, you know, be that true vocal leader. They have guys like, you know, like they mentioned, like, yeah, Mostert talked about it, how like Domas yeah. really leads with his play on the court. You know, uh, Brogdon's not going to be like the loudest one, you know, really getting everybody, you know, fired up. He's, he's more, you know, calm and collected. But, um, you know, one thing that I thought w- was, was really interesting, and, You know, for Miles Turner to give you that interview and to be that revealing is you have to almost look back a couple of years ago. When Miles was struggling, you know, on the court and fans were really giving it to him. I mean, he had times where he logged off social media for extended periods of times. And, you know, you weren't hearing any interviews for him. So it shows that he's in a great headspace right now. The confidence is high on and off the court. And it was evident in that interview. So, you know, just awesome stuff for you guys. Um, now I, I think we'd uh, kind of shift over a little bit to uh, what's going on in, in the Eastern conference. Zach, I don't know if you could have predicted this. I don't know if anyone could have predicted this. You see the Brooklyn Nets at number one. Okay. Not that big of a surprise, but without Kyrie Irving. Interesting. Then you go down, you see the Chicago bulls. I mean, the bulls a team that haven't made the playoffs the last few years. All of a sudden it's like, you're wondering if they can, you know, stick it out. The Washington wizards, have been in that that upper top four now for, for a while. I mean, what's been the biggest surprise for you so far in the East?
3: Yeah, so to me, it would probably be Indiana is up there. Like, for me, I don't get surprised by team success, really. Very rarely in the NBA, uh, to be honest. It's more about the failures um, okay. and Toronto and Indiana. Uh, but then again, I mean, Toronto hasn't had Siakam for a lot of the time, and he's their best player, in my opinion. So uh that doesn't really surprise me there. Boston's been without Jalen Brown, but even then, Jason Tatum is arguably my biggest sadness or my biggest struggling. surprise because I I had his back all offseason talking him up to be a top 10 guy, taking the leap this year to be a top seven almost being in the top five type conversation I thought he'd be there but we got a long season to go there's 80 games left um I truly think Indiana can definitely get up into that sixth seed if they want if they're willing to work hard enough for it we'll see if if they are I mean they got a it's going to be a lot of grinding wins I mean that's at the end of the day that's it's going to be ugly and uh and it's apparent I mean the Wolves are in are a very similar team. We are very, very similar. Um, on opposite ends of the spectrum. Yep. Uh, we might just have a little higher end talent, which I believe we do. You guys yep, just get do. more um diverse and
1: yeah, yeah. They're more of a Pacers, more of a balanced their ideal situation. Like when you mentioned about the Spurs and the Hawks, the Pacers front office envisions five guys scoring, you know, around 15 points per game. Yep. that's yeah. really what they envision to be like, quote, like perfect, ideal Pacer basketball, while you guys have between, you know, Cat and Anthony Edwards, two, you know, superstar, you know, guys. I mean, D'Angelo Russell Mm -hmm. is no no slouch himself. I mean, a real good player, actually leading the NBA in clutch scoring right now. So, you know, you have that big three, that big three combined for 74 of the 100 points that you scored against the Pacers. So, I mean, that's a major difference right over here. But when you look at the East, the top 11 teams are at least – with a winning record at 11 and 10, so it yep. shows the East is stacked right now. Uh, in the West, I mean the, the top seven teams are at least 500. You got the Lakers at, at 11 and 11, but LeBron's going to be out for a, what's believed to be the next 10 days or so. So it, it's been uh, it's been really interesting, you know, the first 23 or so games of the NBA. You know, we're going to have to wait and see how things shake out. I thought you made a good point of maybe more focused on who's struggling, like Boston is one of those teams. Then then all of a sudden you have the Cavaliers are still treading water. They're they're at 11 and 10. And then you got the 76ers, who knows what's going to happen with them. They're 11 and 10. They're occupying the eighth seed right now. Still no word on what's going to happen with Ben Simmons. So it's been fun this year. I mean, we got a great showdown as we're recording tonight. I mean, the, the Warriors and the Suns are, are facing off. So a lot of great things going on in the NBA. But, Zach, before we sign off, you got an awesome interview that you just finished um, about a, a day or so ago with James Worthy. would love to have you shed some light on that.
3: Yeah, thanks. Uh, James Worthy, man. Wow. It was, it was just surreal looking at the guy and talking to him for an hour. Um, it's a legend. And uh, Roosh is talking about it was his dad's favorite player growing up. So thinking awesome. about something like that is just cool and um, surreal to think about. But um, – he's just such an optimistic guy and being able to talk about the current Lakers and where they're at and how Twitter just sits there and overreacts, but um, just sheds such an optimistic light on things, but also uh, really gets into X's and O's a bit of um, saying where Russell needs to change and how Anthony Davis um, needs to adjust a little bit. But um, then we talk about who his goat is a little bit and, uh, where bird and magic lie all the time. And uh, he played with MJ at North Carolina. Then he played with Kareem most of his career. So um, it was it was awesome. I'm a historian. So that type of stuff really gets me going. And um, I really like getting into the all-time conversation. And we went pretty deep there. And uh, yeah, he's just a fun and interesting guy. And um, really loves Kareem. Hey, <laughs> that's, you know- that's my spoiler. I don't blame him. I would say who does it, but more people need to
1: because Kareem was an absolute legend. You can't be the all-time leading scorer and not be absolutely unbelievable. Just I feel like this youth is very sucked into the just LeBron versus Jordan debate and not including Kareem as much as he should be included. I know uh, my co-host Alex is a huge cream fan he thinks that he should get some more uh, respect when we've talked about the goat conversation. But, Absolutely. you know, a- as we, as we wrap up over here, tell everybody where they could find you on social media and just, uh, you know, to, to subscribe and listen to your podcast.
3: Appreciate it. Just on Twitter, Z-A-K-N-O-B-L-E. And then all over Vala's life now, um, Noble and Roosh show, Noble and then Roosh, R-O-O-S-H. Uh, yeah, just got a bunch of great interviews coming out and hopefully keep growing this thing. It's been a lot of fun. Me and Rush have been almost 60 episodes now, so um, we're we're making some headway there and having a lot of fun doing it. Hey, awesome. Zach, I appreciate it. I look
1: forward to, you know, having you back on in the near future. I believe this may be your your third appearance on Setting the Pace, maybe four. I don't know, but you're you're a great recurring guest of ours.
3: Well, I appreciate it, and I cherish my friendship with you both and uh i always like coming on chopping it up and uh hope west virginia turns around a little bit man and that, that sucks seeing them down because i do like huggy squealing on the sideline a little bit oh yeah hey guys uh for the listeners we have this on video zach shows up in his kansas
1: shirt i got on my west virginia shirt we've <laughs> talked you know we did not plan this but the rivalry between those teams it's real so i respect it zach appreciate you and we'll talk soon
3: later man
2: all right, Fachi. So, how was your interview there with Zach Noble?
1: Pretty good. Always, always fun catching up with Zach, guys. I highly recommend that you check out the interview that he did with Miles Turner. I mean, yeah. it, it was really good. The Noble and Roush show. Um, he's always got some great interviews. I know he just had James Worthy on the other day, uh, and plus, you know, he was he was there in person. Uh, you know, at the game the other night against the Timberwolves. So, you know, always great to have a, a firsthand view. Uh, yeah. So, hey, I enjoyed it
2: yeah ball's life is where zach noble's podcast is at so if you guys are fans of ball's life you've probably heard of it before but fachi all right we start a six game home stretch here against the atlanta hawks so um you know it's a, it's a good time for the pacers to get back on the winning track especially if they're gonna make any push to to be a uh playing tournament team at this point so where can the people fight us at on social media
1: all right, so you can find us on Twitter at SettingThePace3. You can find Alex on Twitter at AlexGoldenMBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You can find us on Instagram at PacersTalk. You can find us on Facebook at Setting Pace, And you can find us on TikTok at SettingThePace.
2: And if you're tired of losing so many close games and you want this team to get back on the winning track, say these three words. Let's go Pacers!